0: All right, we're live. American Hammers TV. We have a special guest today. But before I get into that, we have a special guest co-host. Since Lee couldn't make it, we have John Phillips from JPWHU TV. What's up, John?
1: Hey mate, how you doing?
0: Fantastic, man. Um, and we have a very special guest today from um well, he's got a group called Hammers United, which he's trying to start, and we get going, and we're gonna explain a lot about that in the next uh, half an hour or so. Mm-hmm. But um, you know him as bubbles. Most likely, um, we know him as Paul Colborne. How you doing, Paul? I'm good, thanks, thanks for having me on. Oh, thank you very much, man. Um, John, you wanna take it away? Okay, so
1: Paul, very, very nice to finally meet you, um, albeit through this technology. So give me, give me, well, give, sorry, give us, I should say, um, your background. First of all, how did you get into West Ham? Before
2: I do anything, I'd just like to say, I'm very kind of you to have me on, but I'm not very special. <laughs> um, I'm very ordinary. Yeah, I'm, I was born in North London, very near Arsenal's ground. And uh, when I was a bit s- about six months old, I was a baby. My parents moved to what they call a new town called Hatfield. Mm-hmm. But that's an Arsenal area as well. But I've always been thinking, you know, why did I support West Ham? I know the reasons now. Uh, I, I believe in very much in their tradition and the fact they're very much a working-class club. I like the colours, and it was probably easier than supporting Burnley. But <laughs> really, I, All I, I think where it stems from, when I was a kid, my dad worked in a betting shop, and he was what they used to call a settler because there was no computers in them days. There was no calculators. Mm. When the guys came up for their money, they literally had people like my dad there with a pen and paper working out how much to pay them. And his mate owed a lot of money. Uh, I don't know who to, I was a kid, but uh, basically he put everything he had on West Ham winning the Cup in 1964. Good and I bet. think Well, it was a good bet and it probably saved his life, I think. <laughs> I don't know, but he was in serious <laughs> trouble. Yeah. Now, in those days, you didn't have colour pictures often of uh, footballers and the like, and my dad brought home what they used to call the evening standard supplement. Mm. So it's the Evening London Evening Paper, but because it was the day before the Cup final it was an evening paper it had West Ham and Preston and all about them and the road to Wembley and it was in colour and of course carrot and blue you know it hit hit you so I think that was what started me on it but I didn't actually go to West Ham until 1968 because you see not living in the East End my mum and dad wouldn't let me go up there on my own let me go to Arsenal on my own not the West Ham and my first game was Nottingham Forest uh Good Friday 1968 or 69, and they won 3-0. So how, how old would you have been at that time? I was about 12.
1: OK. So I oh, was yeah, a late starter.
2: Out. I mean, most of my West Ham pals would have gone as kids, you know, real kids, because they'd yeah. go with all their school friends. But where I lived, there weren't any West Ham supporters. Mm. And it was unusual, because it's a tradition at West Ham, I think, when I took my son, when you take your son for the first game, well, you'd, they always get beat. Um, <laughs> but I was lucky that uh, they won. And I was hooked. And you hear the stories about when they hand the kids down to the front and that. Well, I was 12. I weren't that little. But I don't know the way my dad took us to the ground was crazy. Uh, We went, we got a green line bus to Buddy Romford. It's miles away.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, I don't know why he didn't get the underground of Upton Park. (laughs) It it must have been the corner of the West Side and the South Bank. And there was a a wall with spikes on it. And they Mm. sat me on this wall. And it was great. I didn't start going regular till about 1970 and that was it really I, I hardly missed a home game for donkey's years so did you ever have a season ticket around about those times as well but well in those days the early days you didn't have a season ticket really the you only... could just thing up and pay on the door couldn't you yeah but what would happen is the most no no but mostly the older people would sit sort of on the halfway line in the grandstand you know, in the west side or, or, or the chicken run side. Uh, and the younger people wanted to be behind the goal singing. So they weren't probably out of, say, I don't know, but probably in those days, West Ham would have 2,000 season ticket holders. And that wasn't mm-hmm. unusual. That was the same everywhere. And it's like a passage of right, really. You, you, you'd start off, you know, you're a little boy. And then when you feel big enough, you went in the north bank.
1: Yeah.
2: And you'd stand halfway up the north bank and you gradually get nearer and nearer the middle as you got a bit older. When I was young, you couldn't see the match. All you could see was someone's neck. But you weren't bothered because you was in the North Bank singing. You, yeah, you, you yeah. get what I mean, you know. Yeah. And then as you got a bit older, you'd graduate maybe to the South Bank. And then maybe you'd graduate to the West Side. And then when you were ready, if you thought you were big enough or whatever, then you went to the in the chicken run. And I haven't, I'm now old. But, of course, we moved grounds, tragically, lately.
1: Yeah.
2: And I didn't have the final passage of right. You sort of ended up with your camel-coloured crombie overcoat right up the back in the seats in the chicken run. It was a sort of right of passage. But I didn't miss the game for a long while. Um, And then my mates used to ring up, I used to tell my mum when I was living at home, I said, anyone rings up, I'll be in the bowling. And I found out 20 years later that she used to tell him I was going bowling. (laughs) (laughs) She wasn't a Spurs supporter by any chance, was she? No, my mum, uh, she hated football, and my dad wasn't too keen.
1: Yeah, just like my course,
2: parents. I'm afraid, like a lot of people, I let it take my life over, and I missed weddings, and I missed all sorts, which I shouldn't have done. You know, West Ham came first. and I know family always comes first, but I even got to that stage when almost family didn't come first when I was young, which, of course, is wrong.
0: So did you ever move closer to the bowling? I mean, from you're saying you live in up in North, uh, london but did you ever gradually get closer to the, the ground further away
2: um i spent half my life in a place called hatfield which is about 25 miles from east london then i moved to a place called welling garden city where i've lived ever since there never used to be any west ham fans in hatfield there was a few in welling garden and still are but now in welling garden there's quite a few There's quite a few and they're good supporters they go to the away games and everything else but mostly, it is a North London over Spilltown. So it's obviously yeah. predominantly Arsenal and Spurs. Mm.
1: So did you go to any of the two, or be able to watch for that matter, any of the two cup games against against Fulham and obviously Arsenal in the AT as well? Yeah, I went to the Fulham game. I
2: went to every game in the cup run, Excellent. And the Arsenal one, I went to every game in the cup run.
1: Brilliant. Because not to make you feel too old, Paul, that was the day I was born, the, the United Arsenal, game. Arsenal game. Yeah. But it was, look, it, you could argue it was the greatest day in your life. It was the greatest day in my life. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't the greatest day in my mother's life, I tell you that. No, I suppose not. <laughs> <surprised> not. <laughs> was your dad watching the match? <laughs> my dad, funnily enough, because um, you'll remember this, when um, the Cold String Guards band used to do the, the yeah. pre-match and the halftime shows, my dad was actually in the Cold String Guards oh, for right. every single yeah. one of them. Until that game, because he got medical leave because mum was in labour with me.
2: Oh.
1: And um, but my dad, just like your dad, detested football. Couldn't stand it. He called it a yobs game. He was more of a cricket fan than right. um, he was a massive cricket fan rather than a football fan. So yeah, but for for me, um, it's I used to get my birthday cards every year from my uncle. Used to give me the match rundown, so it felt like I w- I've been there ever since I was born. <laughs> I always used yeah. to get a little rundown of. what was happening, how rookies scored it, how Lampard Senior was playing, the whole lot?
2: Well, with the Arsenal Cup run, obviously we are in what they used to call the second division, what they'd call the championship now. That was when I used to go to every game and all my friends went to every game. And we just knew we were going to win the Cup. I can't explain it, we just knew we were going to win the Cup. Um, We really did. And even though Arsenal were the favourites, we knew we was going to win. And, of course, we did. And it was, we were in the pub at six in the morning, hundreds of us. Although now you know, you see some of these old war films and they have the the rifles sort of stacked in, like, tripods. you understand where I'm coming yeah. from? The, yeah, all, yeah, the banners, yeah. all the banners. Ceremonial. That's it. All the banners were stacked like that. And of oh, course, brilliant. I'm from North London. And, actually, my mate, Mick Harris, and I were actually on Arsenal's tube station really early, you know, was it that morning. Anyway, we were there sometime. I mean, West Ham had sixty thousand fans there, so Arsenal's forty. Mm. Um, I'll give them their due. West Ham qualified. Arsenal was eleven replays, so yeah. West Ham had fan, West Ham had more time uh, to, to to snap them up. But yeah, I mean, Arsenal fans from where I lived actually saw me and asked me to walk, walk them to the
1: stadium. Uh, it, was, right. it was a home game.
2: Oh, I'm very proud of that.
1: Absolutely, and that's the funny thing about West Ham ever since is we've always we've always performed better as the underdogs' yeah, sure, we've always done better than that yeah sure. cool, so all right, so going back because obviously paul, everybody remembers you from uh, the Burnley game last season, but going yeah. b- b- before, before that because um, obviously there was meant to be the the marches that were postponed at the last yeah, minute as yeah. well, and I kind of get what you' you're saying about the feeling of the FA Cup final was because there was something in the air and there was something in the air in, on that Burnley game as well because I, I was there. I've been a season yeah. ticket holder for a good few years now. I was I was there and you, and you could feel there was tension. The Watford away game um the week before didn't really help matters. I think it was the week before, but it didn't really help matters because that was kind of like when everything was at boiling, yeah. boiling yeah. point, basically. Um, and so... When, when you went on to the pitch, was it, did you think about, the, think about the, the morning of that? Were you thinking about, right, the, the march isn't going. Am I going to actually, am, what am I going to do to give my boys? Or was it literally just a spontaneous, the fact that we were playing so terrible, conceding ridiculous goals and that was it? Yeah. Well, a bit of each, really. But one thing I'd say, I, you mentioned the Watford game, which is quite
2: right. But the one that really did it for me was the Swansea game. Yeah, I can get that. And we were coming uh, back on the Hornchurch coach from Swansea. Um, Bill Gardner was on the coach, who I admire so much. He really is the daddy of us all, Bill. And he was really upset. And in um, fact, he, he, that's, that's a lie. I don't think he went to Swansea. That was it. It came apparent that Bill said, I'm packing it in. Um, and that's why he didn't go to Swansea. I think that was it. And I was so upset about it. I thought, Plum, if Bill's packing it in, it's all over. Yeah, I mean, that was a terrible performance. Absolutely awful. And I never actually got past the refreshments. I was just so upset. And uh, we just sat and stood and watched it in the refreshments. And as you say, yet another dismal performance. Dismal. Mm -hmm. But to answer your question, it's a bit of both what you said, my friends Mm -hmm. and I were still going to march. And probably the reason I went on the pitch is because I felt I've messed it up. I've got terrible eyesight. And um, you hear stories, actually, you know, if you know your history, that a big major battle that decided huge things could maybe be changed because a bloody gentleman had bellyache or went to sleep or something like that. I had the wrong glasses with me. I had the glasses to watch the match. The glasses that I can see my phone messages on, I didn't have. Right. And my friends and I, some of them, they called it a ramble or something. They were meeting in West Ham Park people that did this smaller march not the big march that was but the smaller one and we said no we're going the pub and that's not because we're alcoholics we thought if too many people went in the park the police might try and break the march up yeah so the plan was the march would come past the pub and we'd all come out and join it there was about a hundred of us in there so we're all in there i'm useless at technology as you've heard <laughs> the phone, Well, you in made it pocket. on the show. I think you can't do it. anything, I can't work the DVD recorder, mate. I can't change a plug, I don't drive. Hopeless. And my phone was in the pocket so I could never hear it ring. And I got it out to I couldn't see the messages. And the next thing it did ring, and it's a mate, Dave Larkin. Where are you? I said, Well, we're in the he said, We've gone. The bloke says. I've just bought six pints and six Jager bombs, mate. <laughs> so the lesson there. If ever you're going to march, don't go in the pub. So we ran after to try and catch the march up. After people said, Oh, it's too late. And I got outside the ground and Ted was there, full knee, Haystacks. And they said, Where were you? And I felt so guilty. I felt like I'd let people down. And I think that's really when I went on the pitch. I didn't know what to do. I just wanted to do something. And of course, a couple of young lads. Uh, went on the pitch. I don't know who they are or anything um, before. And it just came to me, the bomb scheme. And I went down to buy the corner flag. And a fellow I know you know, Baz Cox, he was there. I don't yeah. I don't really know Baz well, but, you know, he's obviously a really decent man. And I know yeah. him now to have a chat with. And he, he apparently he said to me, I can't remember, because honestly, after it happened, I was in shock, really. Um, but he, he apparently Baz said to me, don't do that, mate you'll lose everything. And apparently I said, I've lost everything already. So that's how yeah. I feel. Um, and in the bond scheme, it shows you how different times are. Yeah. This guy, it's easily you technical people can easily get it up. If you Google it, he went, got over the wall, got the corner flag, trotted yeah. to the center spot. And he put the corner flag in. So of course I've tried to do this, but corner flags aren't made of bloody metal with a big, what do you call it? Spike. Spike in anymore so i went up and bloody thing was bending and i couldn't really
1: get in
2: well i suppose in hindsight if it had, had a spike they'd have probably done me for having an offensive weapon or something but, <laughs> probably yeah. um, i remember ginge came up and i said something he said what are you doing i said look you've been here nine years and i said i've been here 50 years and i actually said get out of the way but he was really, really friendly and nice i think he understood but of course the bloody thing wouldn't go in because there's no spike. Yeah. So I held it up like that, waiting for thousands of people to come over the wall. And of course, it didn't happen. No, uh, no. And um, which I, that's being naive. But anyway, but what I have to say is the steward took me out. I never got arrested. And the steward said, Look, mate, he said, I, I, I believe in what you're doing entirely, but I'll have to take your season ticket off you. And then I sort of went into shock, really. And uh, I, 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 my son was at the game, and everyone sort of got together. I got absolutely plastered uh, in Wellington City. You know, when you go out, you take more money than you need in case of an emergency. And then uh, the next morning, you look all around the house to see where you've left the money. And I was looking, I couldn't find any money anywhere. (laughs) And my son said, I said to my son, where did I put me? He said, Dad, you spent a lot. He said, said, I had to get the last round in it. He said, you spent a whole lot. Because I think I was in shock. Yeah. Yeah, really. So I gave it a couple of days and it was obvious that I'd get arrested. So I went over to the local police station and, and handed myself in and uh, that's that. That's
1: it. Cause I remember the, um, I remember the article that Clarence Hugh put up a couple of days after it happened, if I remember correctly, because if I remember right, they actually talked to you about it, didn't they? If I remember right. No, uh,
2: I've got a friend who I will mention, cause he's a very dear friend of the New York hammers. Uh, Danny goes to New York so much. I say they should build a statue of him at the airport. Um, <laughs> We used to be in business together and we never had no money because as soon as we had any money danny would go to the betting shop mm. and then he'd go off to new york uh you know but some no danny's got a friend who's a west ham supporter who works for a, a national newspaper and he gave me a ring and i knew that he'd give me a fair hearing and be yeah. sympathetic so in actual fact it was an interview
1: for a national newspaper it wasn't claren hugh okay but yeah it's i and i I mean, Paul, don't get me wrong, mate. I get you 100%. understand the whole reasons. I mean, it's interesting to see that the reason why you ran onto the pitch was because you couldn't see the game properly. That's a great way of doing it. <laughs> um, but all joking aside, though, it is, you know, I, I, feel, I was feeling it 100%. You know, it, it was kind of like it was more heartbreaking um, than when we got relegated of, under Avron Grant because it was it wasn't just losing games badly. It wasn't just um the fact that the players weren't stepping up. It was just caustic for lack of a better way of putting it at every single level at that point. Now, because obviously you you referenced the just now and also when you did it as well, the, the ninety two protest, yeah. which if I remember correctly was was the Arsenal home game, I think. Because they because Arsenal were doing bonds um yeah. bonds game and, and needless to say well. the
2: Arsenal the Arsenal fans were supposed to sort of take part and they were pathetic. <laughs> Nothing uh, Nothing I've got to be honest I can't remember What game it was There was definitely Protest against Arsenal um, yeah. I can't remember What I'm not going to say It was there Because I'm not sure But there were other Things that happened I remember And probably was The Arsenal game And as you know At Upton Park The wall of the South Bank and North Bank If you stood in the front row You could You could touch the goal net
1: Yeah
2: And um, I remember the goalkeeper uh, Standing sort of At the edge of his penalty area, like so. And a bloke sat behind him having a fag. Bloke was (laughs) having a cigarette in the goal. There was all sorts of things. It wasn't just the guy with a corner flag. Mm. And of course, those protests worked. But it's a different ball game now. You know, that guy with the corner flag didn't get arrested or anything. Um
1: it's a it's a different world. Exactly. And
2: And and obviously people you
1: You can't express what you want to what you want to say without without something happening nowadays so talking about that so what is um what happened with you after that with the club did they um give you your season ticket back no no um
2: one thing just forgetting me one thing that i have to say is there were some young lads went on the pitch Mm -hmm. and they were very much vilified they didn't cause any trouble i think they had a scrap of paper saying that this is what we want yeah and somehow they seem to get slagged down and i became a bit of a hero and i just don't get that that they did it in a different way. So I'd like to say that. No, I, of course, I didn't get my season ticket back. Um, I handed myself in the police station. Eventually, it went to court. Uh, obviously, I pleaded guilty. Um, I had a letter straight away from West Ham banning me for life, home and away. And um, I've got no problem with that. I knew what I was doing, I knew what the consequences would be. And I've no problem with that. Neither have I any problem with getting convicted for it. I committed a crime. Okay, I didn't rape anyone. I didn't attack anyone. I didn't murder anyone. I'm not silly. I know it was a crime. Never had any problem with with, with those things. Um, So, yeah, West Ham banned me for life. Then, of course, I went to court and I pleaded guilty, but I said I wanted to contest being the police banning me as well from the ground. And uh, it was really moving and humbling, the support I got. A West Ham supporter rang me up, who happens to be a solicitor. Mm-hmm. I'd love to tell you a bit more about him, but I don't think that's my place to do, so I won't. Mm-hmm. But uh, And the Football Supporters Federation, they were very helpful. They gave me a solicitor free of charge for like the first uh, interview. But this West Ham guy, he uh, did it all free. There's a fancy name for it, pro, pro bono or something. Yeah. He did it all for free. And he even got me a barrister who was also a West Ham supporter who was also going to do it for free. And them guys are on big money. Unfortunately, the barrister, uh, he, he wasn't well at the time. And it was really humbling and moving that these guys, who were obviously hugely educated, professional people, mm. also felt the same way I did, supported what I did. So it wasn't just a thing that scruff ass like me would do. You know, there was a lot of support out there. And oh, when I got the... And when I got the fine, people were talking about these giving pages. There's no way I'm going to let people do that. But a friend, uh, Ewan, he got some badges done, didn't even tell me, and he just said, there, flogged them. So I sold them for a pound each. Another friend, Joe, he got some others done, which I sold. And um, a couple of friends, I won't mention their name, embarrassment. a couple of friends gave me quite a lot of money, really. And I would say I broke even. I never... that didn't come out right. I had no intention. No, I mean, of we know what you mean, mate. I mean, obviously, you weren't doing it to make a profit from it. We, no, you know, we get that. We get that. Um, but uh, so, one way or another, the West Ham family took care of me. Yeah. At the, yeah. So at the moment, what is a pain in the ass is I'm banned by the police for three years. That's all football. So when England play away, I have to go about eight miles away and give my uh, passport in. And apparently, I can't believe this. It's not happened yet. If England's under twenty threes or England's women's teams play, I also have to go and hand the passport.
0: What? That's cr- that. That's that, that. Seems a little too much, man.
1: <clears throat> that is just basically making you an example, Paul. And, and that side of it, I don't agree with in any. I mean, I don't agree with half of the stuff that happened because yes, I'm. I'm. You know, you You were. It's very humbling to hear that you fact that you admitted. That, being guilty even though there was nothing to be guilty about you were just expressing your feelings at the time um so you know it's it's so i take it nobody reached out from the board to, to, to discuss anything with you either about your motives and anything that you could have helped suggest no. to uh, no of course i wouldn't expect them to but uh, no of, of course not uh, i mean it's i if it was me running the club that was it would be the first thing i would have done is to find out your motives behind it and make
0: sure
2: that awesome. yeah I, I think that obviously we'll move on to talk about this later but this is the problem they don't they either just don't understand the fan base or they just don't care i don't know what it is but they just don't get it do they? and it really is a lot of our problems can be summed up by we are supporters and they're treating us like customers yeah yeah that's that's
1: the way they want it and it well, won't that's work. Karen Brady um sold it to us, wasn't it? With, with right. referring to us before before the move went through, hundred percent referring to it as that that you are you are our customers. And of course all that backlash that happened with it as well. But the thing is, if that was you, if you were Karen Brady and you said that
2: and you could see people didn't like it, and the next time you referred to the supporters, you'd call them supporters. But they yes. seem to be just so stubborn, it's almost as if they do it purposely. I just don't I don't get
1: it. I, I mean they the, they went through a period of what six eight months where they reached out to people i mean yes okay it was lip service where um a lot of youtubers were invited and people from the media were invited that were um west ham support as well they had it. did we doing meetings with them every six months where they they would sit down and ask the questions asking about what we're doing with this what we're doing with that all that sort of stuff and that was that seemed to be like a step in the in the right direction to begin with. And then all of a sudden it just evaporated and all, it all went back to how it is now, where the only person that seems to genuinely care about it is David Gold. Because they it did it to do it.
0: What, what it came out to, what it seems like, is that they did it to do it. Just to say that they reached out to the, like you said, all the different West Ham media who are supporters. I mean, a lot of these YouTubers out there, that they're definitely 100% supporters mm. and very passionate. I mean, a lot of these guys like West Ham Fan TV and Hammer Chat were invited to that, West Ham Way, people were there. Um, you know, they were giving their opinions and stuff, but nothing came out of any of it, really. Um,
1: well, nothing of any significance. I mean, the only thing that really happened was the fact that there was more people, places for people to put their pints down at halftime. Yeah.
2: Well, but that's more money for them. That's all they give a shit about, really. I mean, obviously, I wasn't a party to any of those things, so I can't comment <laughs> um, What I would say is that since I've been doing Hammers United, I realise now that all these fan groups and everything else, there's a big commitment there. I'm sure, I mean, they're all West Ham supporters. I'm sure they've all worked really hard and done their best. But if the club won't engage realistically, it's very difficult. And mm-hmm. you, could, you could argue, no one really knows, that um, the club were a bit worried. I think they were. I don't think there's any doubt about that. So they reached out to the supporters and then when things quietened down a bit and it went back to normal. I think there's... One thing I'd say about Hammers United before we come on to that, something that I think is important is just by having rumblings in the fan base. You know, they might think, oh, blimey, there's another group started up now. Mm -hmm. Just by having rumblings, it could improve things. They might instead of spending £25 who knows, they might spend a little bit more... Can't spend too little, otherwise they'll get upset and they'll all be over the wall again. One doesn't know, but if there's no rumblings at all in the fan base, then they can just do what they want, can't they? So there yeah. has to be, in my opinion, a, a bit of discontent. Otherwise, they're just going to walk all over us. Well, they are walking all over us anyway, but uh, yeah.
0: even more so. That's amazing because you, you pretty much almost answered my, my first question to you. <laughs> Which uh, So basically, you know are you the founder or co-founder? How, how does that work? I'm hammering that.
2: Right. Yeah, I'm certainly a founder. Um, okay. the, way Hammers, the way Hammers United started was it was just half a dozen blokes of really, real, long-term, passionate West Ham fans. And we would we'd have a pint and we'd just say, look, it can't carry on like this. It can't carry on. But, you see, it was a bad time to launch. The fan base isn't strong at the moment. It's near the end of the season, so you're not, you can't get momentum. And what really did it, you see... West Ham do love committing an own goal. They, they, they make own goals and something that really annoyed me, the guy that set this up, he went to, he phoned to renew his season ticket. What band was it? Do you want me no, to no, it, was, what band? it was band two. And they said it was one. Yeah. Yeah. So his season ticket is band two. So he rang up and he said, right, X amount of money, 700, whatever band so they said no it's it's more and he said no it's it's a band suit and they said no, it's a band one seat and he said it's a band suit. they moved the bloody line without even telling it wow that is bad
1: that's very very another,
2: underhanded very underhanded and then another guy a few days before he'd been banned from the ground and thrown out for filming the stewards and it's things like this and we just said look we just gotta get, get on with this It's not a good time to launch, but we've got to get on with it. And so we met in a pub and by then, obviously, I know quite a few people in the fan base. I had an idea of who might be interested in helping. And the aim always was to have 10 on a committee and 10 behind them, 20 very active people. Mm -hmm. And um, it went from there, really. Uh, At the moment, we have got seven on a committee and probably about
0: seven behind them. So we need a few more. So what would you say your official like goals are as an organization? Right.
2: Well, we wrote to the club asking them for constructive dialogue, Mm -hmm. which I think we worded it mutually beneficial. And we didn't make specific points. We just said we'd like to meet uh, for this dialogue. We, as a committee, made several points. I'll mention them in a minute, which we put to a meeting of our members. And what we try and do, what we've been doing, is holding meetings in Plasto, because, of course, the club promised it's on record David Gold they'd look after the local businesses, mm-hmm. and needless to say, uh, they didn't. Well, obviously they've no, no, no. They don't have to do that, but he did say he would. That's just the whole thing. Yeah. And there's some really good people around there, and there's some good pubs. Uh, uh, you've got Paul and Trudy run the Vic, and you've got Ann who runs the Plasto Club. So we had a meeting there, and then the next thing we knew, the underground wasn't working that day. Plasto was shut, Upton Park was shut, and it made it really difficult. But we had to go ahead um we got a commitment then to, to the to the club you know the Plasto club we got 130 there and we got our committee endorsed and we put the points to them i won't go into. i'll just do it very quickly mm-hmm. points were ticket prices and season ticket renewals london stadium match experience especially the stewarding the memorial gardens which is a very emotive subject and a lot of people are very disappointed with that mm-hmm. mascots Help for the disabled supporters. Now, actually, West Ham are very good with that. We think there's some. They are. There's a lady called Julie Pigeon who everyone speaks very highly about. But there were a few issues, and we thought we would mention them. Uh, these champions play stones. They're filthy after two and a half years. Is it? Uh, yeah, um, you some know, of them are to degrade already. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and I don't know. i done. Surely they could be jet washed or something. These are minor points that could make you know make things easier. The big one is our heritage. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, you know, we could speak all day about that. And we feel a, little, a few gestures could be made to help our away supporters. But most important of all, if they met all of those, that is no bother, no good if they spend tuppence on the on the playing squad. And, of course, yeah. the overriding thing is they've got to continue to invest in the playing squad. I mean, last year they spent £100 million. That was great. What did they spend the year before and the year before that? If you get your three-year expenditure in the new stadium, you know you, you divide it by three, as it were. It's yeah. not a significant investment. Uh, well,
1: it's it, never, if, I, if I remember correctly, over those three seasons, taking into the last season, it is uh, what 100. No, no, it's actually no, it's about 85 million because there was profit in the in the last two windows prior to on, summer. To be honest, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're right. I thought
2: they spent 100 net last year. Ish, yeah. But they spent yeah. very little. So does it does it maybe equate 40 million a year? I don't know. But, but
0: it's
1: I not. There was 40 million spent, but we'd sold 45, 46 okay. million pounds worth last season. And it was around about there. I remember it definitely being that the, 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 the accounts had shown that there was a profit of about nine million each season, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So we're looking at, as I say, we're looking at around about 78, 79 million over those three seasons, right. which- Which is, is is not what was promised. Yeah, and, exactly. and Just to
2: digress a bit, mm-hmm. what West Ham are suffering from is a lack of investment over you know, a period of years. And yeah. the fact that what they do, instead of investing, generally this is, there are exceptions, Instead of investing in young players who have a salon value uh, and maybe buying a young player from a championship side, and I know they've done that at times, mm-hmm. but instead of buying a good young player, shall we say for 12 million,
0: yeah.
2: and paying him a decent salary, a decent mm-hmm. signing-on fee, what they do, they'll buy someone with a bad injury record yeah. who's a very good age because they get him for nothing, mm-hmm. but they've got to pay him 120 grand or whatever, big signing-on fee. So that pushes their wage bill right yeah. up and then they say oh we can't
1: do anything because we're over the the financial fair play yeah. and
0: and all, you know, always, have,
1: they have absolutely always hidden behind that since they since they took over yes. they've always hidden behind it yeah. yeah and so but i digress then um back
2: to what we wanted so we took these points to our members and i was pleased actually there were three members in particular i know them all really well and they were having none of it and uh oh. they said "Yep." Yeah, Please put that to the board. That's great. But we think you should have three flagship points, three points for the fans to rally behind. Mm. And they said one of those is obviously investment in the playing squad. They said the
1: second has to be the stewarding. Because I mean, we could talk all night about the stewarding. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I've, Sam, had, I've had run ins with them myself a few times, um, just over because with my channel, when I was what I was doing um, for last season and the, summer, the start of this season, was I was filming parts of the game t- t- as part of my um, reaction videos. Mm. And this one of the stewards was not exactly polite, shall we say, about asking, saying that it was the, the, the guys from upstairs were, were watching me and said that they, they didn't want to do it. And he actually, and it got so bad, I turned around to him and said, well, unless I get something official or unless your boss comes down and tells me and I go and speak to him, you've got no you've got no power. And they just kind of walked off after that. I mean, the club obviously hide behind the fact that uh, I never know the name. The people
2: that run the stadium, LL, LLDc. Okay, Um, but the way we we feel is that we pay our money to West Ham. Yeah. Okay, we're West Ham supporters. We're their customers. Is that right? And uh, so they should find a bloody way around it.
0: Exactly.
2: Now again, I'm digressing. I don't know the true figures. Probably no one does. But something that is a real B in my bonnet. I'm banned. I've no problem with being banned. I committed a criminal offence. I knew what I was doing. Mm. There are hundreds of people banned from that ground for non-criminal offences. Some of these people have probably been going decades, standing up, swearing. Do they really have to ban them for life or whatever? And we're looking into this, but I've heard a lot of stories, and I know one guy in particular, and a lot of people are claiming, look, we were never given an opportunity to see the video evidence.
0: Yep.
2: We were never given, we were never given uh, a right to appeal. We just get a letter saying we're banned. And it's almost as if they can't wait to get rid of some of the older, not, not older as in age, more yep. long-standing supporters. Exactly. And again, it comes back to overlaps with heritage. You know, a lot of the people who've been going for a long while, I've got so many friends who've stopped going, because they just feel that it's not wanted over there. So that's the second point, and the third one, basically, we, we ran out of time because people wanted to go to the match, and uh, we promised we'd consider it. Now I have, and that committee has now got our own personal idea, which the members may well kick out. But what we're looking at, and one of our people's looking at it in, in you know, very detail, is perhaps the the, uh, the distance of the seats from the uh, from the pitch, yeah, because the promise. A statement was made, I think, by David Gold that the seats yep. would be no further than uh, than the uh, they were at Upton Park. Then last year, I believe, and I believe it can be researched, a promise was made that they would get an architect to look at it,
1: and I don't believe that's happened. Well, and to a degree, it, to a degree, I can well, I can vouch for the club on this side of it because I did get a letter uh, um, just before Christmas. A lot of uh, season ticket holders did. Saying that they were going to consult the fan base, didn't say when, but it well, they did say that they would consult the fan base about moving the north and south stands, by, which is dodging. But um, that's they. To be honest, they're not the they're not the stands that need to be moved. They're not the just, ones. Just to butt
2: in, I with yep. just slightly cross purposes. Mm-hmm. What I, I was coming on to that. Obviously, what was said was to get an architect to look at it. So I suppose that goes hand in hand. Yeah, obviously, yeah. we're aware they have made a loose. Uh, statement that they'll get around to it sometime in moving these seats, um, which really means sod all. Yeah. I believe it means, because it can't be done. It means if they move them forward, they're going to be in the rain.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, so we're looking at it properly. I mean, on our committee, we've got some really professional, clever people, people that I can say, would you mind doing us a report on season tickets? Would you mind doing a Super vote on this, that or the other? And one of them is looking at it. Um, and, but what we've got to do is, uh, of course, we'll be democratic and have been. We know that we will have to have a constitution. We know these things. Otherwise, we're leaving ourselves wide open. But What we're determined not to do is blind our people with science. Right, rule 63171. We don't want to be talking about all this bureaucratic nonsense all the time. We know our people and they, they're not interested in that. Most of them, they just want us to get on with the job in hand. So the exactly. third point point—the third point could be the seats. That's just my, my committee suggestion. We'll see what the members think.
1: Yeah. Some very, yeah. very good ideas there, Paul. I mean, the, the one thing that worries me about football so much nowadays is that people like you and I and Tim and everybody watching this and the other YouTube channels that can't get to the games, are being to to a degree kind of almost phased out because we're we're not we're not spending enough maybe in terms of yeah. you know we're not we're not buying 20 pairs of shirts every season that they want us to be buying to give us the, then the, yeah. the the amount of money they need to be spending. It really worries me. There's a lot of politics in football and there is no place for it. It is a sport at the end of the day and it's, it shouldn't be run as a business. All football, all professional. Football is now, you know, say the same way with the way that the cricket teams are and rugby teams. But those are teams that are still run with the fan base in mind. Everybody else in terms of the footballing world are thinking about their back pockets and not about the fan base. And, and we we were, the it seems that we were the last football club to come into that. And that's why it hurts so much.
2: I mean, I don't know the figures. But... Will the time come at West Ham when they can't sell the tickets? I mean, this year, you must know, I've got lots of friends. They're in the corporate. Mm. Again, amazingly, what they're doing. A friend of mine, his tickets have gone up to eighty odd grand. He doesn't want to renew. There's loads of people uh, in the corporate that don't want to renew. Yeah. So what they're saying is look, we'll go and sit with our mates in a we we'll call it an ordinary, for want of a better word, season ticket. Apparently, mm. they're not allowed to do that. They have to go to the back, back of the queue, apparently. They just, what the fan base need is a little bit of love, a, a little bit of love. You know, they can still make bloody money. Mm. And what really hurts me is that so many of my friends I've known 40, 45, almost 50 years, home and away, Richie, Richie used to go on the coach that used to leave the bowl in at midnight to some of the Northern away games. This was before I went. So you're looking at 1960 goes one game a season and he comes in the club and watches it on the telly. He won't go in. It's Highbury Paul. Highbury Paul goes every away game. He's never set foot in the stadium. And we're losing all these people and and, and it wasn't just them. It's their family before them and before them and those people would come back week in, week out no matter how crap West Ham were. If West Ham get relegated and it could happen, what's going to happen with all these people then? They won't be interested. They'll go somewhere
1: else. Yeah. The horrible thing is, Paul, is just the fact that they're gonna for people like because I came very close last season not to renew. I still did. I'm gonna renew again in um, in the coming couple of weeks. But there's for all the all the people that aren't renewing, there's people waiting to take over, and that's yep. the worry. It's it's a conveyor belt of supporters nowadays. This I do not believe in any shape or form that there are sixty thousand people waiting to get season no. tickets. Ten percent of that maybe, but. Yeah, we we are just treated, like you said, like you talked about earlier, we're treated no more than we're not supporters anymore. We're not even really customers. We're more like cattle to the club in in that in that regard. So from your from your point of view, not just from um, for Hammers United as well, but, you know, what do you what do you think the best way is for the club to get West Ham back to the way that you and I and tim as well for every everybody knows what west ham the core values what 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 west ham is not 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 was because it's still there albeit still bubbling way down deep down in the core of it now but what do you think is the best way for forward for west ham to get back to being a club where we don't have to be talking about this, this the um the owners every week we're not we're not talking about how poor the piss poor the players have been what do you think is the best way to bring west ham back well, they obviously have to reach out to the supporters. And I think these guys on probably
2: like yourself that have all these forums. And I, I, I think the chap, he's a really nice guy. I think he thought I was insulting him. I said about his blog. I, I don't know what a blog is. You know, <laughs> I think and when people talk about maybe having a march, I will march with him. In the old days, when West Ham played an away game, he we just went to End Station at 12 o'clock and everyone was there yeah we don't have to be in all these particular things why don't they just engage using the bloody club program and the, and, and and the and the um the club website they've got to reach out to the supporters and and, and talk to them and particularly the supporters they're not interested in personally i would like them to, to reach out to the supporters who've walked away um because they've all got children you know they they I mean my son won't go in he's not bad. he won't go in he said oh, that's it for me so i hate the place and, and I think they should be reaching out, saying, look, you know, when there's 12,000 supporters not renewed mm. so far, uh, you know, over the years, then a lot, never, a lot never went to the stadium in the first place. They've lost a lot of fans in the first place. Friends of mine never went. And, and, and I would be saying, oh, you've been coming to West Ham for 40 years. Why don't you come anymore? What's the matter? What have we done? You know, if, if you run a club, a small club, and, 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 and people paid a contribution to be men. And then there's a guy who'd always been in your club, donkey's years, said, I don't want to be in the club anymore. The first thing you do is, oh, so what have we done wrong? Yeah. They, just, they just don't seem to care. Um, maybe the gravy train will come to an end. Um, I've got friends, obviously, I don't agree with it. They say, what well, we need a bloody good relegation. They said, that sort of things out, which obviously I don't agree with. But mm. they've got to start reaching out in some shape or form because some of the new people see, there's room in the stadium for both there's room in the stadium for all the old core fans yeah. and there's room in the stadium for the new fans there's plenty of room for both Exactly. but all they seem to want is the new fans
1: mm.
2: uh, and you know, when I see people with half and half scarves, got True. no problem I met a, I met a Polish guy last night mind you he wasn't the sort of guy that wore a half and half scarf <laughs> and he wanted to take his picture with me, he's about 8 foot tall so I I <laughs> sort of stood on tip so I think I'm going to look like a bloody midget. But I can understand people who come from wherever and it's their first match. or they can, I can understand them getting a half-and-half half scarf. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I went to Man United the other year and I was in the West Ham section, no, Liverpool, and they don't sing all the match Liverpool fans, they're mm. overrated, but they do sing You'll Never Walk Alone at this time. And in the West Ham section, they was all joining in. Yeah. And they were Spanish people. Now, I've, I mean, there's some wonderful fans. You're someone I'd love to want to mention the New York Hammers when I get down to it. Mm-hmm. Because the New York Hammers, for instance, they, they, they're proper fans. They come over. You've got Norman from Malta and, 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 and all the rest of it. Yeah. But if people are in the West Ham section, I mean, they should get it that much that they don't, you know, sing for the other team. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. to you a question, they've, they've got to start reaching out to the supporters. You know, they know there's a lot of unhappiness. They know that... It, it's, 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 all it's going to do is damage their brand. If you're going to thinking about buying West Ham, okay, the first thing you think of is what stadium have they got, um, what's the playing squad like, you know. But if you've got an unhappy fan base who are able to go over the wall the next day, it's going to devalue West Ham's brand. It's going to make people, you know, le- 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 less likely to buy them. I, I don't, I just don't get it. Uh, there's room in the stadium for everyone.
0: Now, would you like to see us with like a, I don't know, a billionaire owner come in from like Qatar or maybe like, like Manchester City has with the Sheiks or maybe, you know, a Russian oil, uh, oil oligarch. Um, that, what do you think would happen to us? You one know? from New York would be good. Yes. One from New York. <laughs> they've, got plenty, they've got plenty of money, plenty yeah, of money over there. Yes, yeah, um, No, listen,
2: no one, what we'd all like is British owners, preferably English owners, preferably from London. I'm sure you know this, Uh, the last team to win the FA Cup with 11 Englishmen was West Ham and they were nearly all Londoners with a lot from East London. The last team to win the FA Cup with 11 British players uh, was West Ham. But at the end of the day, you've got to take who's on offer. And of course, we would all be worried that we got took over by the wrong people. Yeah. But the way I feel at the moment is could they be much worse? I mean, what these people are doing Let's be honest, they're lending West Ham money, and there's some guy on Talk Sports says they don't take a salary out. Well, of course they don't take the bloody salary out, because they're getting interest on the loans. Yeah, the interest is crazy. It's, 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 it's incredible. And, and they're not doing anyone any favours, and I would take my chance. That's my personal, you know, others won't agree. I would take my chance. If someone came in tomorrow,
1: I'd be delighted as long as it doesn't happen the same way to what happened with birmingham when they sold them as well they sold them to the first person that gave them the the,
0: the price because again
1: um, we have been their customers yeah customers
2: for years and and one would hope probably naively that they would think right we we owe it to our customers we've got to look at this properly and and not sell them down the river Mm -hmm. but as you say they've got a track record of, of not doing that and uh in fact, when they took us over, my mate, who I shall mention, the one who's always in New York, Danny, as you people over there call him, <laughs> uh, that Danny's got friends in Birmingham, and he, and he said his friend from Birmingham said, you'll rue the day they took over. And
0: yeah. it's been proven. Yeah, 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 that's true. It's just that we, we've discussed this on the show quite a bit, me and, well, my regular call is Lee, that um, if we sold it to... You know, a, a multi-billionaire, kind of like a, what, what happened in Man City. I mean, at least what we have now is that we have owners who won't keep their mouths shut, who at least get people like you and, and everybody else in the Hammers United and, and, and other supporters groups. Although we're disgruntled and we're not necessarily happy, we're we're together. I mean, we're all, you know what I mean? Like They're kind of bring us together in a weird sense of way, the way, but my point is if we, you get this Russian or, you know, um, you know, um, United Emirate money come in and, and they just buy us Champions League. You know what I mean? They just buy us all this stuff. We lose the soul of the club, no? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like a double-edged sword. Like, I don't know. I, I'm not happy. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm happy with what we have, obviously. I, I would, but So I would disagree in so much as we've already
2: lost the soul of the club.
0: <laughs> there you go. All right. No, it's too no, touche. You're right. The soul of the, the
2: club. Is soul me. of the club. Some people will say the soul of the club died when they moved grounds. I, I would. The, I agree. The soul of the club died for me when Bill Gardner said, "I don't want to go anymore." Yeah, that's when the club yeah. died for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, now I do. I do want to mention the uh, the New York Hammers real quick. We've had a, we've had a couple of them on our show, and we're actually going to be having uh, Sean uh, Brooklyn Hammer back because he told us a couple really great stories after we finished our discussion on the air. Um, so we're like, you know, you got to come back and, just, and, and give us more stories. Uh, we also had Jake on, um, and we also, you know, they love our show. We, we, um, uh, we're going to try to get as many of them on here as possible. Cause obviously once we cycle through all of our, um, all the supporters groups, um, we're going to bring more, uh, bring more of them back. So basically that's how this channel started was that we initially wanted to just showcase that, Hey, you know, there are American West Ham fans here. Actually a good chunk of them are from England, you know, they, they, they move yeah. over here and, and they're instead of just sitting home alone and not, you know, doing anything about it, they actually went to the nearest pub and started finding as many West Ham fans. As they could to kind of recreate the atmosphere a little bit. So it's better than sitting home alone, watching the match, um, which is kind of cool, you know, and we wanted to help showcase that because the masses, I mean. United States is massive. You know that. And um, so that said, there's so many of us here. There's a ton. Yeah. And a lot of us do get over there for matches. I went to yeah. two matches last season, actually the last two home matches last season. That was my first experience um, as a West Ham fan over there, uh, which was phenomenal. Like the the scene at the pubs, you know, the the Stratford. I, I can't stand the, the atmosphere around the stadium except the pubs, obviously but they're so far and spread out that there's no unity, really, like there was, I guess, at the Bowling, which I never went to the Bowling, unfortunately. My co-host Lee did, um, but it, I loved, how do I put it? I loved the atmosphere in the pubs, like Carpenter's Arms, you know, uh, Carton Horses, um, you know, uh, C- uh, Queen's Head. I mean, they, they were fantastic, you know, and, and they were open to us Americans, too, that come over there, you know? Um, yeah. I wasn't the only one over there, and everybody I've talked to from here, they come over and they have, Nothing but a, a great time, especially the New York guys. They, <laughs> I get stories all the time. And you know what? They were the ones who told me, you got to get bubbles on the show.
2: Well, uh, my mate Danny and my other friend Barry, they go all the time. And uh, they'd been twice already. I went first when we played Crystal Palace in the playoff final. And the guys down there, there was Sean Frank, um, James Toth. Yeah, yep. so there were some others. There were some others that aren't well known. There's a guy called um, Ken. Ken's a bit older than us, and he used to come from New Jersey, and he supported West Ham because his family was shipbuilders. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. And there was a very attractive young lady used to come, but apparently she's dumped us for Arsenal now. Oh no. <laughs> and there was there was the Ukrainian guy Igor, and he was a big menacing shaven head guy, <laughs> and we were sitting there, and this guy walks in like this. And when you, when you sing songs, if you're supposed to be a bit of a lad, there's some songs that you can sing and some songs you can't sing. And he walked in all menacingly and suddenly he pulled out a West Ham flag and he pinned it on the wall and he turned around and he looked at us and he went, if you love West Ham, clap your hands. (laughs) And it didn't work, you know, but he was a great guy and he used to consume vast amounts of alcohol and then get in his taxi. Uh, and go to work But unfortunately Sadly he's died now But they're great people They come over a lot We met PJ the other week uh, And what I like Is that they really are You know Proper West Ham fans And if you go in You know the Smithfields Where they go now mm-hmm. There's about 40 people there Yeah It really isn't Now Bill Gardner Goes over there a lot Jock um, Danny still goes Barry It's quite the thing over here All my mates now Those people If they have a 50th Or a 60th Straight over to New York And the highlight Is going in to see the New York Hammers. A yeah, campaign. no,
0: they're, they're definitely the, um, uh, I believe that they're one of the original groups over here that actually organized, but also they're, they are one of the largest. Um, but it's really nice to see that there are five or six across the country that get at least 20 on a regular basis, yeah. which is great. And there's even more that only have five to 10, but they show yeah. up every week. You know, even That's having right, a core of at least five week. guys that show up every, or girls or whatever, that show up every single week, you know, we encourage that over here. And hopefully that will, you know, catch on over time and maybe convert some neutrals. Um, yeah. But for the most part, the best thing is hearing everybody's stories. And that, that's what I love so much about doing this, is that when we have a different guest on, like, how did you get into West Ham is one of the first questions. And, you know, it could be anything from, um, well, my family's from East London or um you know, I had someone in my high school that you know they they supported Arsenal I couldn't stand them or taught him and then I had to pick the other team and then from there yeah, I, yeah. I fell in love with the club uh me it came down to you know part of it was like you said you know the colors the badge I mean um that that's what what caught my eye re- originally and then from there it spun off but that other people said, well I've watched Green Street Hammers and that's okay because now they've not not just because of that movie but they've they've you know, done their research and, and come over to watch matches and, and just fell in love with the club, you know, thereafter. So I've heard many different stories, but it's really cool that there's a massive amount of support here in the United States. And most everybody I've met is a character in one way, shape or form. Yeah. You can tell that they're loyal, first and foremost, if they're following West Ham because and a they're, not a, they're not a glory hunter.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. the funny thing is you guys have mentioned on more than one occasion over the last few months. You're either born into West Ham or West Ham finds you. Yeah. There's, there's no, there's yeah. no other way of it at all. There's no nobody that thinks, all right, now I'll go. I won't be supporting Charlton. I'll go to West Ham. It's literally one,
0: one and done. Yeah. And every single one of us is super passionate. You know, we're passionate and super loyal. And and um, yeah, it's crazy. Um, but there's a, a lot of us, and we're really, you know, amazing people. So far, I met. I mean, through this show. And even the, the people I've spoke to like you, Bubbles, like from over in the UK. I mean, I can't wait to come over there and meet you sometime when I head over there next. But um, I met some amazing people from the UK as well because of this show and, yeah. and hearing your stories as well. But the reason why we have someone like you on is you know, not just to help grow, um, you know, Hammers United for you, but like introduce you to the American audience. But half of our, half of this show's audience is from the UK, yes. which is bizarre yeah. to me, like, you know, I thought it would be a lot more Americans tuning into this show, but there's a lot of UK uh, people that tune in. Right.
1: So, Tim, has anybody reached out um, to you guys to say that that any of their supporters groups over there have increased since over the last few months, since
0: coming onto your channel? Um, Yeah, it's just that it was tough because when we first started, this channel was back in the end of January, early February, when our results weren't doing so hot, and there was a lot of, uh, especially after that Everton match. That uh, that definitely, you know, crushed the hearts of a lot of people because that was probably one of the worst performances I've seen, you know, in my history of watching the club. Um, that that there was no excuse for that. But um, when NBC Sports had a fan festival here uh, for for that Everton match, they had. They showed everybody's matches that day, and there were fans. There were people wearing like Luton Town shirts. I mean, there were people that I don't know where they came from, but there was, you know, Brighton shirts. There was Hull shirts. There was so many fans were there at that festival, but there was way more West Ham fan uh, West Ham shirts than I expected. You know, Lee was even my co-host. Lee was saying that, oh, there'll probably be about ten of us, which is usually what the Boston Hammers group, you know, has, and there had to have been at least sixty people with West Ham shirts and maybe even more because it was so spread out. It felt like being at Olympic Stadium where they had a segregated, Um, you know, only some of us were allowed inside the bar and then the rest were outside and and we weren't all together, if you know what I mean. So there could have been a lot more than 60 West Ham Mm -hmm. fans there in just the Boston area, you know? Yeah. So anyway, um, Bubbles, I mean, it's almost almost time to, to head off, but listen, is there anything else you want to say about, you know, Hammers United that we haven't quite mentioned yet? Or yeah. Else? How long have I got? How long have we got? About five minutes.
2: Okay. A couple of quick things then. Sure. This is important. We did write to the club and we've now had a reply. Excellent. Wow. Well, it's not much good. But anyway, it's an interesting point which you'll pick up on. We emailed the club on March the 15th. And we wrote to them on March the 15th. No reply. we sent set second letter, special delivery on the 26th of March. Special delivery over here means it's guaranteed delivery by one o'clock the next day. This is the letter. Many thanks for your letter dated the 26th of March, but only just arrived today, May the 2nd. Nothing on the tracking information to explain the delay in the letter arriving. As a matter of courtesy, We wanted to get in touch uh, to confirm receipt, and we'll be in touch again as soon as possible. So, of course, we checked our tracking and West Ham received the letter on March the 27th at 9.16. So you make of that what you will. (laughs) Um, Another quick own goal, possibly they've scored. I'm not going to say too much about this because it's over my head. I call it tokens. They've introduced with another company something that they call a blockchain-based fan engagement platform. Well, I see it's just another way of getting your money out of you. Yeah. But and I have them. a very clever person on the committee who thinks he goes a bit more deeply than that. He talks about databases and all this stuff. I don't mm-hmm. understand it, but he is looking at it in great detail. And lastly, if I may, a, a, f- a friend and a, a, another committee member, he put something... On the uh, which you might have seen that I posted up today, which I think is a, a really nice way that I'll, I'll end, if you if you don't mind. Yeah, no Um What I would say is that I've said it before, but I have to say it again. We're not just doing this for ourselves and our kids, and our grandkids when they come along. It's all the people that don't go anymore. Uh, that well, basically they're dead. People that I knew, my special well, not my but everyone's special friend. Everyone loved a fella called Bimbo. I'll tell you now, he'd have had three corner flags before I got over the wall. Don't worry about that. (laughs) And when he was really ill, he rang me up, not to say how worried he was about an operation. All he cared about was his hammers around his neck, his gold hammers. Will I be able to go in the operating table? Can I have my hammers somewhere? And we owe it to those people. uh, Irish John, who passed away recently, Fanatical fans, we owe it to them to stand up and be counted. Most people who are somewhere along the line from the East End or Essex, they owe it to their descendants, their mum and dad. So the piece this morning, he said, he said this. Better to die on your feet than live on your knees. Never stop fighting for what you believe in. We all know Upton Park is gone forever. and The Olympic Stadium will never truly replace it. But just as the board are only temporary custodians of our heritage, so my friend are we. Let that sink in. If we stop fighting, then we lose our heritage for future Hammer fans.
0: Yeah. That says it all.
1: Absolutely, it does. Um,
0: yeah. One, one real quick thing here. I do have um, one fan question. Uh, the fan is, you might know him, is Nick from Cross Hammers. <laughs> oh <laughs> this yeah, Nick. Is, this, this is Call for you. I better um, be
2: careful, as he knock me out. Hello, Nick.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it says, "What is your?" Um, what is your best away day, past, and pre- or, past or present? Best away game? Yeah, I was the best Arsenal away
2: game. Arsenal in the final of the Cup, Nick, 75. As you probably know, we had 30,000 fans there. That's not an exaggeration. It wasn't all ticket. I walked up to the pub at half 10 and all the Arsenal fans were waiting for it to open. Walked up the road and they just all disappeared. We went in the pub at half 10. By 11 o'clock, it was full. That was the gunner's arms. Every single pub was filled with West Ham supporters. The North Bank held about, I think, about 18,000. There was about 12,000 West Ham in there, which was all the back area. The clock end, they were swaying in the enclosure, singing bubbles. There was 30,000 of us there that day. We won. We knew we were going to win. And we knew we were going to win the Cup. And, of course, I'm a local boy at Arsenal as well. And I think that was my favourite away, Daney.
0: And his second part was, I, I think you already mentioned this, but uh, he, he asked, what did you say to the players who strolled on to you at uh, the center of the pitch?
2: I only spoke to James Collins and he said, problems. yeah, and he said, you know, what you're doing? And I said, James, you've been in nine years. I've been here 50 get out of the way.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, listen, Paul, uh, thank you so much. Thank you, John, for helping me today with this interview. I just want to mention real quick, which I forgot to do in the beginning, like I said I was going to do, um, my sponsor. (laughs) I've been sipping on this the whole time. I drink this stuff every single episode. It's Strava Crab Coffee out of Denver, Colorado. It's organically infused with hemp oil, CBD oil, really good stuff. Um, No, it doesn't get you high. It's not that kind of marijuana plant oil. It's, It's from hemp. Um, but it's really good stuff. It actually counterbalances the caffeine in the coffee, so you're not know, so wired and jittery. And you can drink it at 9 o'clock at night, like I usually do. So anyway, that said, thank you so much, Paul, for coming well, Thank on you today. so much. I, I much. really to It's a privilege. Thank I, you very much, both of you. I hope you had a good time, my man. And, um, John, thank you as well. And uh, if you get a chance, please check out Hammers United. Um, you guys got, got a website besides the Facebook group, right? Yeah,
2: we got the, the website is uh, HammersUnited.com com yeah yeah, I think people it is also, yeah people could also join up on uh email and the email address is uh united hammers at aol uh dot com is that yeah yeah united hammers at aol.com a lot of my pals are neither on email or facebook <laughs>
0: a lot of us are old are you, men uh, because you, you got a huge following on there already i mean it's, it's growing every day which is fantastic and a lot of you've got about three thousand one hundred in six weeks so it's well, yeah. moving yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. And, um, if you have a chance, everybody who's watching this, please check out, uh, John Phillips, my co-host, his, his YouTube channel, which is JPWHU TV over on YouTube and give them a subscribe and a like, um, and if you like this video, please subscribe to the channel. If you haven't Share the video to spread this out there so we can get the word <laughs> of him as United out there and, um, you know, give it a like and comment below if you'd like. All right. Thank you guys. Come on, you irons. Thank you. Thanks very much.